The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. This show is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, and with over 5 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made this the number one negotiation podcast in the world. Hi, my name is Kwame Christian, and I am the founder and CEO of the American Negotiation Institute. Here at ANI, we believe that the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations, and we are passionate about providing you with the best content that will help you to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, I want to remind you that we offer consulting and conduct trainings, both virtually and in person, all around the world. Our focus is in three main areas. First, negotiation and conflict resolution. Second, leadership. And lastly, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Check the link in the description below to learn more about how we could work with you and your team. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Thanks for joining us today. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. So how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yes, so I am a career and interview coach. So I help Silicon Valley's top talent find jobs they love. When people don't know what they want to be when they grow up or they know what they want to be, but they're having trouble landing jobs at Meta, Amazon, Google, LinkedIn, they come to me and I help them figure out how to land those jobs. I help them rethink, recreate, reimagine how they tell their career stories so they can go land those amazing big jobs in tech and Silicon Valley and absolutely love helping people achieve those things that they really never imagined was possible. And it's just so much fun being able to help these people. That's incredible. That is incredible. And so, listeners, today what we're going to do is we're going to focus on salary negotiation, but more specifically, confident salary negotiation. And so before we get into the how-tos of this, Kyle, I kind of want you to, to set the stage here and tell us why it's so important for us to have these difficult conversations around compensation. So on the surface, salary negotiation seems like it's just a numbers game. How can I get the most salary out of this organization that just offered me a job or will help hopefully be offering me a job? And let me try and figure out that numbers game. However, underneath the surface, there's so many factors that impact how we show up to that conversation. And when I talk to job seekers, the number one factor that comes up probably 95, 98% of the time is confidence or lack of confidence. People say, oh, I don't have the confidence, Kyle, to ask for $40,000 more than what they already offered me. Oh my gosh, this is Meta or Amazon or some hyper growth startup. I'm scared to go ask for more money and confidence keeps coming up. So today, hopefully we can talk about a, a few ways people can boost their confidence as they go into these salary negotiation conversations. I love that. This is great. And before we get into that again, I want to kind of explore a little bit uh, behind 
some of the perspectives that might hold people back. When you think about the mindsets that hold people back and make it tough for them to negotiate effectively and advocate for themselves, what are some of the patterns that you're seeing? A lot of people, when they go into salary negotiation, they have these ideas around money. And when it comes to money, they're like, oh, I don't think I'm worth this amount of money. They say, I've always made X dollars, and now this is 50% or 100% more than I've made before. And people feel like, oh, that's already good enough. I shouldn't negotiate more. And there's these negative feelings or perceptions people have around money. It can be difficult to move past that. And people connect money to their worth. I'm worth X amount of dollars, but not Y amount of dollars. And there's this stickiness that comes in. And we, when I come in, I try and say, let's disconnect that and not say, here's what you're worth. The money is not your worth. It's simply an exchange of energy. You're showing up and delivering a certain amount of energy to the organization. What energy can they provide back in regard to money? And that can be helpful for some people to disconnect from, oh, this is my worth. No, it's not. It's just an energy transition between you and that organization. That's so cool. That's really interesting because it it, it almost depersonalizes mm-hmm. the, the heavy conversation, right? Yeah, because it's not personal. This organization isn't hiring for you. They're hiring for a set of work. And what is the dollar value attached to that worth, that work? Not to your worth, but to that work. And what's the dollar amount that they've attributed to that amount of work? And that can be helpful. And there's a range that they've attributed to that work. And today what we're going to talk about is how much is work worth to an organization? What's the budget range for that? And not the budget range for you as a human, but the budget range for that work. And that can be helpful to understand that as you go in and hopefully boost your confidence that you're not negotiating how much am I worth, but how much is this energy or this effort worth to this organization? Oh, I love that. That's really cool. Well, great. So here's let's set the stage for the audience. First, we're going to talk about how to appropriately research and calculate your market value. The next one is to use networking effectively uh, to learn about the compensation plan. And then lastly, asking about the range for your role, because there's an art, there's a strategy to doing that effectively. And if you make a mistake there, it could be pretty significant. Mm -hmm. So make sure you listen to the end to figure that one out, too. Now, um, Kyle, first, when we talk about the use of research effectively, this is something we talk about all the time on the show. We have um, negotiation guides and salary negotiation is one of our most popular ones. And my listeners are probably saying, no, I know what Kwame is going to say. And that's right. I'm very predictable. Um, so if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash guide, you can get access to all of our free guides there. But I want to talk about some of the basic things that people need to keep in mind when it comes to research. But then I also want to go a little bit deeper and talk about some of the main misconceptions and mistakes people make at this stage. So where should we start as it relates to research? So I like getting niche with research. I mean, I love Glassdoor or Payscale or Salary.com or LinkedIn, but these tend to just have high level salaries. And you want to get as niche as possible when you're researching salary, when you have an offer or a potential offer. So I primarily work with people in tech, Silicon Valley, IT, these really niche areas. So my favorite is Team Blind. This is an anonymous um, community board 
where you have to be registered with a company, have a company email to participate, um, but you don't have to have a company email just to view people's answers. So it's kind of like a Reddit of sorts. Reddit and Glassdoor kind of had a baby. This would be team blind. And I like it because people will say, I just got an offer at Amazon. I'm an L6. Here's my exact compensation package, my salary, my bonus, all of that. And I like it because then you can go in there and actually see the exact level, the exact team, the actual data was posted, and get really live and relevant information. So I like starting with Team Blind to see real um, case studies or examples of people who've gone offers. That's one of my favorites. And then once you've seen a few examples, I like zooming out a little and going to levels.fyi. This is, again, really helpful for tech. And you can go and see companies across various titles and levels. And a lot of the people I work with will often have competing offers from Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and you can see how these offers compare across these different organizations and levels. Because sometimes it can be tricky. Oh, I got this offer at Microsoft, then this one at Google, then this one at Amazon. How do they compare with different RSUs and bonuses and salaries? So using kind of team blind case studies and then levels FYI and their data can be super helpful to compare across these organizations. This is great. This is great. Um, first of all, you gave me two websites that I've never heard of <laughs> before. This is amazing. So I'm glad that we're able to disseminate, disseminate that, that information widely. And I love the idea of starting niche and then expanding outward. That's really powerful because a lot of times there's good information. But then the question is, is it good for you mm-hmm. considering your specific circumstances? Th- that That's hard to determine. But if you can figure out mm-hmm. a niche website that addresses your specific Mm-hmm. Um, industry, I think that's a lot more powerful. Yeah, and if you're not in tech, a lot of industry associations will do surveys across your or um, your association every year or two. They'll go across and say, "Ooh, all marketing people, um, we've done this survey." Or I'm a coach, so even in the coaching space, they do surveys every year or two, saying, "Here's how much the average coach makes in this size organization, this size organization, this country." So I would look in your specific um, niche and see are there any places out there where they list salary for your type of people in your specific functional area. And that can be really helpful because Glassdoor is great. Payscale is great, but it's just broad. So you're going to get really broad numbers. I've had clients say, look at salary.com and then Payscale and Glassdoor. And one will be literally double the other one. So it's helpful at a really high level. But those niche ones can give you a lot more specific data. Oh, that's great. This is great. Okay, and now let's dig a little bit deeper here, Kyle, because, um, and I think we talked about one of the mistakes that people often make, just going too broad. Mm -hmm. What are some other mistakes people make at this stage when they're doing research? What I find is people often don't get into the total compensation package. I have clients, they just show me that base number. And sometimes people are like, oh, I'm leaving this non-tech, non-really um, well-known company for Amazon. And they're actually offering me a lower base salary. And then they forget to look at the RSUs, the relocation offering, the um, bonuses, um the comp or the healthcare and looking at the total package is really important and looking both now and then in the future in three, five, ten years as their stocks grow. And you want to ask yourself, what's important to you? So when you're thinking of your salary expectations, I can 
encourage people to really write out what's important. Do you need cash now? Are you in it for the long run? Is healthcare important? Are you looking into IVF? And does the company pay for that? Really looking at all of those benefits and what's important instead of the mistake of simply looking at your base salary and then stopping there. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. Higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Wow. Um, so that pause was my head exploding. I'm bringing it back here um, because I'm th- thinking about all of the times when um, in the past when I've before I started the American Negotiation Institute, when I was negotiating salary and then all, my friends, I have yet to hear anybody going this deep into the research side. But, you know, when it comes to negotiation in general, we know that negotiation in general requires effective preparation and you can win and lose at the preparation stage if you don't mm-hmm. handle it appropriately. And I think a lot of people are going into these conversations woefully unprepared. And worst of all, not only are they not prepared, but they don't even realize their lack of preparation, which I think is more, more dangerous. And even taking it from a different angle, because we know research preparation that helps. Mm-hmm. But also for me now looking at it from the perspective of, of an employer, if somebody is negotiating with me and they're asking me all of these in-depth questions mm-hmm. about compensation, that tells me that this person is on it. Mm-hmm. They are on it. And if they're going to bring this level of, of um, seriousness to this type of conversation, it makes me feel a lot more confident in their ability to perform when they do get the job. Yeah, I had a client recently, a director, and we start going through all of their compensation at this new offer they received. And one of it was an executive coach. And we're like, okay, this person's 12 grand a year. Another one they would pay for her master's. Okay, there's 50 grand a year. And we started adding up all these things. And we're like, oh my gosh, these are all things people don't typically consider in salary negotiation. But all of these things are starting to quickly add up. Okay, she's working remote. Now she doesn't have to commute to 
two hours a day. All these things that people don't realize that are some of them are just non-base salary, as we mentioned. And if you only looked at that, you wouldn't realize. And her base salary was 250. But once we added in everything else, her sign-on bonus, her stocks, this executive coach, this tuition, her first year pay was $750,000 once you added everything in. And subsequent years were less. That first year, she had a large bonus and stuff. But still, people don't realize from $250,000 to $750,000. And that's a lot of tech companies, all those extra bonuses and stocks that first year. It can be a huge difference. And so you really want to avoid that mistake of just looking at that base salary. Otherwise, you're going to be missing out on all the other benefits that come with a lot of offers at these companies. And these aren't just tech companies that offer this too. Most companies offer you benefits beyond just your base salary, even health insurance. I pay for my own health insurance, and that's hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month. (laughs) So you have to think about all the different benefits and really calculate that into your offer. Absolutely. And and now, again, this not only helps us to be more prepared when it comes to evaluating the offers we receive, it also helps us to be more creative with the counter offers Mm -hmm. that we can make as well, because we can think about the things that are more palatable to a company that are still very valuable to you. And now you can layer on more and more value to the offer that you're proposing. Mm -hmm. And really, I think the other mistake that I see a lot is people not recognizing what's important to them. So a lot of times you'll see out there, always negotiate, always negotiate this initial salary. But you have to decide what's important to you. Is it that base salary that's important? Is it stocks? Is it this executive coach that's important or tuition reimbursement? And deciding what's most important to you and then taking that into your salary negotiation. So before people even start job searching, I encourage them to write a list out of everything that's important to them. And I do it in four categories. Here's what I need in my next job. I'm not compromising. Here's what I want. It's a preference, but I'm willing to compromise. Here's what I don't want. Again, a preference, just the inverse of don't want. And then here's what I can't have. I'm not compromising. And I won't take a job that has this. Write all that out. And then when you start getting job offers, you can then compare it to your original list and say, here's how close it is, or here's how far it is. And then hopefully negotiate your salary and your total package to get closer to that original wish list that you created before you got shiny object syndrome with all these different job offers. Yes. Oh, this is good. This is good because, again, it serves as an accountability tool as well. Um, Like you said, when you get shiny object syndrome, really what that comes down to in a lot of cases is emotionality around the offers that Mm -hmm. we're receiving. And then we think that we're thinking, but we're really feeling. Mm -hmm. It's important to feel, but it's important to understand the distinction between thinking and feeling. (laughs) Right. And so if we take the time and write down that list, um, then it can help us essentially serve as a check on ourselves Mm -hmm. as we're making the decision. And that's why I like doing it at the beginning, because you're more in kind of the thinking headspace, kind of with your brain before the offer comes in, you're in your heart. And you can be like, okay, let me move from my heart back to my head, go to that list when I was in a thinking space and can really be a little more clear headed. I love it. This is great. All right. So let's move on to that next topic, which is networking with employees to learn about the company's compensation plan. Tell us more about that. So I love research. I love the data piece, looking at team blind, levels.fyi, a little glass door and pay scale when it makes sense. But I'm also a huge fan of reaching out to people at these companies. And a lot of people don't do this. But if you get an offer at a company, I'm a huge fan of reaching out and saying, hey, I see that you work at, let's say, Meta. I just got an offer at Meta. Do you have any tips for salary negotiation? And people are so willing to help. 
And I find this helpful because each company is different when it comes to compensation. And then number two, companies are constantly changing how they navigate compensation. So one of my clients recently got an offer from a company and I was like, this seems like a great offer, but let's reach out to some people at this company who work there. She reached out to one of the people and she said, oh, just so you know, our compensation philosophy is really unique. We do not negotiate with anyone and don't try negotiating. We have a philosophy where we give you the best offer up front because we recognize that women and people of color are less likely to negotiate. So we give you the best offer because we don't want you to feel like you need to negotiate. Had she not went out and networked with people, she would have never known this and she would have tried to negotiate. So just her going out and asking this simple question, let her know that they gave her a great offer. And then she's like, oh, we also come up with this number through this research. We benchmark at this percentile of the market. And she got all this information and then was able to accept the offer with a lot of confidence that she wouldn't have had had she not networked with people at this target company. Wow, that's a great example. That's a great example. And and I think it goes to show you you can never know exactly what you're going to find in your research. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most exciting things about it. So you have to have genuine curiosity because a lot of times our biases one way or another are going to seep in. And so really we're just fueling our confirmation bias, looking for information that confirms what mm-hmm. we already believe and want to be true. Um, that and and w- when it comes to research, as in this example is in particular, is that we have to be open to surprises as well. I think if you're doing research the right way, you should discover things that you didn't know <laughs> because it's impossible for us to know everything. Yeah, and I had another client that received an offer from a tech company. We reached out to some people who worked there and they said, ooh, get any um, offer letter from a competing company you can and they'll match it. So try and get a competing offer, even if you don't want to work there, because they'll match any offer you get. So it's helpful to just reach out to these people because all these companies are unique in their hiring processes and you really don't know what you don't know until you learn it. So it can just be helpful to keep reaching out and networking and learning. And money is a really taboo topic for some reason. Yet when we reach out and talk to people, I find they're more often than not willing to help and provide resources. Wow. Yeah, it makes sense. And now, Kyle, one of the things that I've seen people struggle with is starting the conversation. So again, talking about the the fear, mm-hmm. lack of confidence that people have in general with these conversations, what advice would you have for people who say, okay, Kyle told me to network. How do I do that? Yeah. <laughs> so if they're, if they're trying to say that, how, how should they reach out? So I would encourage you not to make it about that person's salary individually because they may not want to share, but say, hey, I got an offer at X company. Are you willing to share a bit about their compensation kind of philosophy? So a person doesn't feel like they have to share their salary, but more generally, people are often willing to to share. And I think people are often willing to do that with networking in general, too. It could be, hey, I want to work at Amazon. Can you share about Amazon's culture? So instead of saying your experience at Amazon, because maybe their experience isn't great and they don't want to share. But if you make it a little broader, people are usually more willing to share. So they don't feel pressured to kind of go individually and share their own experience. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. And that that makes it easy for the person who is making the request and asking the questions. Mm -hmm. And it also makes it easy for the other person to answer them without feeling as though they're exposing themselves. Exactly, exactly. And then lastly, let's talk about the salary range, how to ask about the salary range. So before we get into how to do it, what to do, that type of things, 
let's set the stage. Why is this so important? So there is a power in difference between me, if I'm an employee trying to get a new job in the employer, the employer knows how much they have to pay for this role. The employee does not have that information. The employer also has the job, the power to employee. The employee is trying to get the job. So there's this power in difference. And there's a lot of different advice out there when it comes to should you just give your number that you want? Should the employer give the number? I'm a proponent of trying to even the playing field and as the employee ask what is your salary range so you both have more information and the similar information as you go into that salary negotiation yeah it makes sense and again going back to the uh negotiation as an information game this is critical information to have because if you do everything right in terms of your research and then you you network with people and everything and then you mess this part up i mean it's going to be kind of hard to recover exactly and i think it's sometimes people want to go in and kind of give a number show they've done their research but sometimes they're really low and then they've left money on the table or they're really high and then they're not considered for that role and if they kind of wait and sit back they can learn more information and then based on the information presented they can then make their next move but if they just throw a number out there they're kind of moving forward without having the same amount of power and information as that employer who knows the budget and i primarily work with managers and executives so one way i like leverage that conversation is saying, hey, I'm a manager, I'm an executive. I recognize before you even go out there and recruit for a role, you already have to have a budget approved. So can you tell me what that budget is? So then we can walk through and I can try and work within your budget because I know as a manager, there is one here that we're trying to work within. So I want to help you as much as I can fit within that budget. Oh, Kyle, that was so smooth. (laughs) (laughs) And I find people are willing to work with that. And if they don't, um, then you can kind of navigate from there. But most people are willing to provide that budget. They don't want to play games. They're trying to make it work for both parties. Yeah. And let's break this down because the preamble that you gave was really powerful Um, because a lot of times when it comes to these conversations, people can feel threatened by the way that you approach it. Right. So you could ask for the same thing or the same information, but frame it differently and get a very different emotional Mm -hmm. response based on the emotional response that those emotions are going to lead to specific behaviors. Right. And we want to make the person feel safe. More safety means more vulnerability. Mm -hmm. More vulnerability means more information. So the preamble that you gave is really powerful because you're essentially saying, hey, I'm like you. We're similar. And I know that you have some constraints. So if you let me know, then I can help you to make your job easier. Exactly. That is not very scary. Exactly. And you want to try and help them and people like receiving help. Yes, <laughs> for sure. For sure. And I would I would agree with you. I, it seems like, and again, I, this is not my expertise, it's yours. The majority of the time, like you said, people are amenable to that type of uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a small fraction of the time where you might get some pushback. And I, I want to reiterate to the to the listeners, these situations where somebody acts in a an aggressive or mean or threatening type of way, these are the minority, mm-hmm. not the major, majority. However, a lot of times we fear that minority. That's why people are afraid of sharks at the beach, mm-hmm. um, even though statistically it's unlikely. Yeah. So I think it's going to be helpful for us to address what do I do in that minority of situations where I ask for the salary range and I have that really smooth preamble just like Kyle showed me, but the person pushes back. How do we? What do we do there? I like repeating it then and kind of becoming that broken record. Oh, I would love to kind of give you my... Um, 
information based on the market. However, I recognize as a manager, you're really the one with this budget. So it's a little silly for me to throw out a number when you already have this budget range. Um, So I could give you a number, but it really just doesn't make sense because I would be kind of throwing out a number, but you already have a budget range. So let's work from there. And if you don't have that budget range available, we can wait until you do and talk about the salary at our next meeting. Oh, so reasonable it's so reasonable and it makes it makes a lot of sense right because let's just think about it let's think about it in a way that is more tangible if you ask me for something that i do not have asking a second time will not miraculously generate that thing that i don't have right and so i think it makes sense to not as like a negotiation ploy but it's really just use utilizing the power of honesty yeah i I don't feel comfortable giving a number because I don't have the information. You have the information. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't have the information, I understand I can wait Mm -hmm. until you have that information. I I love that. And here's the thing, too. When we think about negotiation as an information game, we talk about the necessity of research and preparation in order to be in a good position during before the negotiation, but also during the negotiation, the information game continues because I'm learning mm-hmm. from my counterpart. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we learn from what they say specifically, but sometimes we learn just based on how they act. And a lot of times, and you tell me what you think about this, we can start to get an idea of the company culture based Mm -hmm. on the way that they treat you through the negotiation process. Well, yeah. And if they're not forthright with the salary, if they can't even tell you how much they've budgeted for the role, where else are they not going to be transparent, honest, forthright once you join the organization? And I think it can say a lot about a company, how they navigate this process. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, working with one of my friends. Uh, she said, hey, uh, I have this salary negotiation. I'm not, I don't feel comfortable with the offer. What should I do? Do your research, um, figure out what you feel is appropriate and counter. I'm afraid to lose the offer. And I said, listen, I've been working with a lot of people, a lot of people and never, not one time has mm-hmm. the offer been pulled after a counter. And then she countered and the offer was pulled and I felt horrible. I felt horrible, Kyle. And so then fast forward six months. She comes back to me and says, Kwame, at the time I was really worried about what happened, but there have been three people in that position since <laughs> since that offer. That place is toxic and I really dodged a bullet. And again, here's the thing, negotiation really reveals the truth in unique ways. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the fact that you don't get a deal and sometimes the fact that the person um, treats you improperly through the process isn't an mm-hmm. indication that you did the wrong thing. It's an indication that you were potentially about to embark on a deal with the wrong mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it was a blessing in disguise for her. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Ugh. Yeah. And so the, the 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 main point, I don't say that to scare the listeners. I want them to say to know that doing the right thing will lead to the right result, sometimes in unorthodox ways. Mm-hmm. Because if people are going to to um to try to take advantage of you and then uh, penalize you for standing up for yourself, <laughs> that's probably not a place where you want to work. Yeah. Yeah. And thankfully, I've had over a thousand one on one clients and no one's had a a job offer rescinded for negotiating. That's what I always tell people. So most times it never happens. And I think it goes back to that small minority of cases where something bad may happen. And we fear that. And to recognize that most times a job offer won't get rescinded. Most times what happens is they increase your salary when you ask for more money. And it may not be all the money that you asked for, but at least some of the money you asked for. That's the most likely scenario 
of attempting to negotiate your salary. I love it. Spot on. Kyle, thank you, my friend. Again, before you leave, let the listeners know about your company, what you do, and how they can work with you. Yes. So again, I'm a career and interview coach. I help people find jobs they love. My expertise is Silicon Valley and high tech. You can follow me on LinkedIn at Kyle Elliott or my website, caffeinatedkyle.com. <laughs> I love that. Love it. Thank you, my friend. Really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for having me. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.